Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 147. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. It's been a couple weeks since our last episode, uh, and that's because I took some time off to go visit some family in Ireland for a week, and it was so great to get back there. It's been a couple years since I was able to visit because of the pandemic, but I always have this unique feeling when I'm back there. I can feel it like in my my heart, in my soul. It's, you know, it's my roots. Both my parents are from Northern Ireland, and it gives me this this feeling inside that, that nowhere else can give me, and so it was really nice to be able to to feel that again for the first time in a few years. Uh, I also got to take my, my fiancé to meet uh, to meet the family over there. So it was a great little trip. Of course, the country is absolutely stunningly beautiful, but it is nice to be able to come home and wear shorts again in summer. <laughs> but we're back in action here on the Adamantium Podcast today, and I promised you I had a great episode saved for you. And I shall not disappoint because we've got Australian superstar Tones and I on the podcast today. And you are probably familiar with Tones and I from her mega-hit Dance Monkey that went number one in 30 different countries, including this one. This girl is wicked talented, and man, does she have some chops on her. You don't need to look much further than her latest singles to realize that she's got a killer range. So I met up with Tones here in Toronto before her show at the Danforth Music Hall. I actually got to go up on stage and check out her, her madhouse. She literally has this giant madhouse on stage when she performs. And I think the thing that I was actually most surprised about is, you know, when you watch Tones and I's music videos, she comes off as this very confident and wacky kind of character. But in person, she's actually really, really soft-spoken and and a little shy and just kind of this sensitive soul. And I found it really interesting and very sweet. And I really enjoyed my chat with Tones and I felt like we bonded over the interview. So I'm very excited to share it with you today. But before we jump into the interview, we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment. So that's where I pick five of my favorite Tones and I songs to share with you. If you're new to the artist, then you can check them out before or after the interview. And of course, you can't have a Tones and I list without including that mega hit Dance Monkey on the list. So we'll start there. But then I'm actually going to recommend Tones and I's two latest singles because they're both incredible. The first of which is a song called Eyes Don't Lie, which I think might be my favorite Tones and I song to date. And I think it might be the best example of Tones' vocal range. And then I'm going to recommend her latest single. It's called Chant, which also features Macklemore. It's the first time she's ever collaborated with another artist, and it is incredible. And then I'm going to recommend the song Fly Away from her debut full-length album, Welcome to the Madhouse, that came out last year. And lastly, I'm going to recommend a single that came out in 2020 that is called You're So Effing Cool. And that's it. So thank you for entertaining me. If this is your first time listening to the Adamantium podcast, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in today. We would love to have you back sometime, so please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison, but you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. And with the formalities out of the way, we will get into today's episode. And so here it is, I present episode 147 of the Adamantium podcast, featuring Australian superstar Tones and I. Thank you for lending us your ears today, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy today's episode. Have a fantastic week. Oh yeah, it's my birthday weekend this weekend. Go Leos. 
God bless, and we'll see you back here for a brand new episode of the Adamantium Podcast next week. We were just talking about it. There was so where the Blue Jays play, like it was maybe a month ago. The weekend was supposed to do oh, that cool. stadium, but there was a nation, like countrywide, uh, telecommunication outage. So we have like oh. two companies that basically monopolize the market on telecommunication here, and one of them, all their services went out: internet, phone lines, everything. And it's uh, the company's called Rogers, and they own that stadium, and so all of their equipment and everything run on Rogers so they had to cancel they canceled oh. the weekend show literally half an hour before oh. and there was like like that holds like 50,000 people they're all well, I'm outside I'm about to play there with Macklemore and Imagine Dragons you're yeah. doing Skydome yeah. like the Rogers Center yeah that's amazing yeah. when's yeah, well, that happening 22nd of next month so you're coming back again yeah oh that's real exciting yeah I'll be back soon wow that's gonna be so have you played a crowd you have played a crowd that size before um Festival crowd. Festival crowd, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Wow, Imagine Dragons. So once I saw the year Imagine Dragons dropped that debut album, I saw them, they were played in Toronto three times, each at a venue, each time like doubled the size of their venue. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, they blew up real fast. Wow, yeah. that's so yeah. cool. Anyways, let's uh, let's get in. So we're here with Tones and, Tones and I. Yeah. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so we have a, a lot of exciting stuff, like we just mentioned, but also uh, working on some new material. Um, I heard there could be another album dropping soon. Yeah. Which is so close to just like when la- almost exactly a year ago, your debut album came out. So tell me a little bit about your your motivation. Like, what keeps you wanting to hustle? Like putting out you like that's what I'm saying. Like, not many people put out their next album within a year and touring. Yeah, I I think it's just like I'm I'm a writer, so that's kind of just w- what I am. I I was I was lucky that my music did what it did, but it was really for no other reason than my writing, um, and that's what I've always done. Um, I never planned to kind of be successful in it, and so that's just something that comes so so easily. And and if I do write all this music then um, I have to I have to keep dropping it otherwise it gets smug, smothered there's so many songs that will never come out because mm-hmm. I wrote them too long ago I didn't right. have room on the album and um, so I've got to kind of try and keep moving as quickly as I can write mm-hmm. um, because otherwise um, when my next cycle comes if it's in two years then I'll have two years worth of probably more songs so I think that's why. Can you can you write while you're touring? Because I know, like, I find artists are a lot of times one way or the other. They're like, I'm too distracted, I'm too busy day to day in touring to be writing. And other ones are like, that's when I'm most motivated. Um, I am really busy mm-hmm. and distracted. I'm distracted all the time. I could have like five months off, and I would just have the worst <laughs> concentration. Right. Yeah. Um. I am kind of riding on this tour remotely with someone, but it's tough, I will say. Yeah. Um, even if I have one day off, I can write yeah. on that day off. I'm not that distracted, but like as in riding on the tour bus, that is just, yeah. that's hard. Do you ever get, like you were saying, like this, you have so much material, do you ever come back to, you know, oh, look, look at this song I wrote three years ago, I don't really have a place for it now. Does that happen to you? or? I wrote 
on the album I have a song called Not Going Home mm-hmm. and I wrote that song about when I first started street performing like oh wow ages before I wrote Dance Monkey Never Seen the Rain Fly Away and I brought it back because it was just for me I mean I don't love the production of the song but that's mm-hmm. all about learning I wanted to do my first album on my own completely and and I just feel like the lyrics though were so important to me and that song was when I released it four and a half years old but I just didn't want to keep moving forward without putting it into the world because mm-hmm. it might motivate someone else right so yeah. that's one that we're going to be able to hear on the next album um, no that was on the last it one it was on the last one yeah okay. this new one is going to be a bit more funk okay yeah it's a very bit more very cool very yeah. cool. I even hear sometimes people say that like they had a line that they've literally been sitting on this one line that they just didn't have the right song for it. Yeah. They've been sitting on it for ten years or something, and it's like. Yeah, yeah. that's what I had. I actually sat on "Welcome to the Madhouse" in my phone for ages. Really. And it was just "Welcome to the Madhouse," and I was like, oh, I've got to make a song like that. And um, I sat on that. I wrote the the chorus to "Fly Away." Um, and I loved the chorus so much, but I couldn't for the life of me think of any verses. So I said, put it, in, put it away today. And then a month later, I was like, what was that chorus? And I was like, maybe today I could think of a verse. And that day must have been a different mm-hmm. day for me because the verse came out really easily. Mm-hmm. Well, we've heard some, some new material already. Um, I, I'm, like I'm, I'm, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, but uh, like I love Eyes Don't Lie. Um, to me, it's like some of your best work so far. And it feels like there's a bit of a mature, maturity and growth even in the writing. Um, do you feel that way having, you know, an album under your belt and having toured? and? Yeah. Yeah. It's also, yeah, I think so as well. I love Eyes Don't Lie. I love it. I have a habit of writing these big vocal songs that are, like, really pushing it on stage, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well, like, if you're jumping from my first EP to Eyes Don't Lie as well, I just simply saying low mm, okay <laughs> like if you're listening to dance funky and then put eyes don't lie on it's like it's, it, it, i can just feels trick like, people yeah oh you're like so mature different. now yeah i just sang in a lower voice thanks <laughs> no um i've heard that a lot and i agree with it like i've had so much time in the industry um especially writing and learning and listening and um this one was i really wanted to kind of not be too specific as well mm-hmm. so it really helped me write in a different way mm-hmm very mm-hmm. cool and you also literally just released a new song called Chant which yeah. is really exciting it's a really cool song with Macklemore a um, mm-hmm. couple of really interesting things about this song um, one is that up until up until now almost in the entirety of your music has been written solo mm-hmm. and this is the first thing you've done as a collaboration so mm-hmm. tell me how you and Macklemore got connected and decided to do something together um, yeah so he um he surprised me at my Seattle show backstage. Okay. And, um... Did you guys know each other already, or...? No, I think, because, like, I was getting interviewed so much in 2019. Because right. it was the peak of everything. Of course. Um, in every interview, like, one of the most common questions was, like, who's your favourite artist? And, you know, I really obviously always brought up Macklemore, and I think he kind of heard about it. Okay. And I was playing at Seattle, and I was backstage, and I just hear, like, the crowd is, like, roaring. And I was like, what? I'm not on for two hours. Yeah. And I, I knocked on the support axe door and I was like, are you guys going to go on? And they're like, we're not on for 40 minutes. So I was like, well, <clears throat> who are they screaming at? And it was Macklemore because the only way to get backstage at this particular venue, you had to walk in front of the stage through the barricade right. of the stage because there was no entrance from like backstage to outside. Right. 
so everyone was screaming and then he you know knocked on my door and just like kind of how we're sitting here now and just walked in and I was like what and then he saw my show he's like I want, want to do a song with you I want you to come to the studio and um yeah we just kind of kept in touch through COVID then that all happened and mm-hmm. then he hit me up last year and said let's go so I just flew to Seattle and what was the for you what was the collaboration process like having that been the first time you've done that with um it was good I would more say it was I would more say like it's his vision on this like okay. I have written and co-directed every single one of my film clips mm-hmm. and 100% written all my music so this was a really big change for me mm-hmm. but also you can only respect the artist that feels the same way right um <clears throat> And I think that in this moment, I really had to just like trust that he, he would put me in a position that I'd be happy to do because I don't know if people really know, like knew my stuff, they'd know that I'm constantly in prosthetics. Like I'm constantly in, like dressed as different characters. I've yeah. dressed up as like over 10 different characters. I'm demon queen, old man, Botox lady. And that's kind of where I feel comfortable. He's done that too. Now, yes. I wasn't in prosthetics for this film clip, but it's really daunting for me not to be. I either want to come see me live and then you'll see me. Yeah. Or my film clips are going to be weird. That's yeah. just who I am. Yeah. So to actually be there, be emotional, looking at the camera mm-hmm. as me was like a really bold thing for me because um, it's like a safety blanket for, for me to just not be me. And that video is really like, it's really powerful. Um, I think even just the, the, the fact of filming it in black and white, but yeah. there's this really epic kind of moment near the end of the song where I think Mac is climbing over the yeah. crowd and you're in like this church on top of an organ yeah. and with like a whole choir. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's like a powerful, powerful moment. What did that feel like shooting that particular part? Well, it's actually so funny because this is the story we really wanted. Well, Ben really wanted to film at this church. Like, really wanted to. It's, um, you know, something that he's wanted to do for a while. I guess it, it being in his home city, and they weren't, they weren't really keen on having a rapper film in in such a sacred place. Uh, oh, really? And then okay. they showed, they showed, they played them the song, and then when they heard the chorus, they're like we'll let you guys use this church because we just want to hear this girl sing in the church. Really? So every take we did, like, it, I know how film clips are filmed, like, usually not, but, like, we just went off on every wow. take. Yeah, it was awesome. That is really cool. That's a really cool story, too. I like yeah. it. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple of times already, like, in 2019, where everything kind of blew up. So, you know, you re- I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, like, so you released this song called Dance Monkey. Yeah. And it blew up. Uh, hit number one in more than 30 countries, including yeah. this one. In yeah. Canada, it went number one. Breaking all kinds of records, winning all kinds of awards. One thing that I thought was insane was uh, it was the ARIA record for the most consecutive weeks at number one. Mm. At number at 24 weeks, <laughs> beating out Bing Crosby's White Christmas. <laughs> that was set in 1943. Yeah. So tell me a little bit how, in 2019, tell me a little bit how your life changed, like... What from one day to the next when 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 Dance Monkey came out and and people started hearing it? Well, it was the first song I ever released. I released it before I was signed with anyone or whatever, um, and or maybe no, but um, something like that. Um, and I actually didn't understand like the velocity of the situation, and it's because. My first song that I released just before Dance Monkey was called Johnny Runaway. Mm-hmm. And when I released that song, off, I was just a straight performer. That song went to number like 
10 in the ARIA charts. And I was like, cool, so this is what happens when you release. Cool, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like, And then Dance Monkey went to number one, and I was like, okay, this must just be normal for people that release music. I just, And I never looked at charts. I was someone yeah. that I didn't care where that song charted. If I liked the song, I liked the song. I didn't need to know. I didn't care. I never looked at it. I didn't even know there were charts. I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. So, like, everyone else really cared. Yeah. And... And then I started realizing the velocity of the situation, the achievement, mm-hmm. and it just was there forever and ever and ever. And I just didn't get it. And then even when I was around the world meeting labels and getting plaques, and I just didn't understand it. <laughs> now, I think now, if that happened now with another song, I would fully get it. I yeah. understand it's yeah. a really big deal. I was going to say, you know, Aerosmith didn't have a number one hit for like 25 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I think because I, I was so out of the industry, I was just mm-hmm. a street performer. And I just never looked at that stuff. I never looked at reviews. I don't care. Some of my the lowest reviews I've seen are some of my favorite artists. Yeah. So I just don't care about what anyone thinks they know about music because it's each their own. Yeah. So I just don't care about any of that. So is now your phone popping off the hook? And like, are you being requested to be everywhere? You know, at, at this moment in, in 2019, once everyone starts hearing yeah. Dance Monkey? Yeah. I went on like Alan. <laughs> and then Jimmy Fallon. What was your first talk show experience like? What was... was it Jimmy Fallon? It was, yeah, it was Jimmy. It was yeah. Jimmy yeah. Fallon. Mm-hmm. And what was that like? Oh, he was, was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was so much fun. And I, I remember, and this is so still cliche me, the one thing that I just have never changed about myself, that I've never bothered to change, that people have such an issue with, but I don't know if they do anymore, but the fact that I just got like an old like $12 like puffer vest and a pair of tracksuit pants and, a, and an old sweaty hat <laughs> with no makeup for Jimmy Fallon and and that's just how I am it's how I've always been yeah. it's just Be something that I've never changed is the way I look for the industry and yeah. I think it's like a real issue for some people but um yeah like that was such a big deal and I think it was such a big deal because it was the first time me playing Dance Monkey live um and I'm, I want to say I played it around the world, but, you know, people from the U.S. don't care. It's either live in our country or it doesn't exist. So right. that's the first time I played it live, and people really thought my voice was auto-tuned. So I think that's when people kind of started right. realizing yeah, that yeah. it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy Fallon was so fun, and I got to meet him, and I got to sign, like, Questlove's uh, drumsticks. He gave me to oh, sign okay. for it. Very cool. Yeah, it was a fun time. Do you have any, you know, like, bucket list shows or stages that you want to you want to hit? I mean, I would love, love, love to play um, Radio City. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you go see it while you were there? I actually did get... Uh, there was a show on that night, and my booking agent just said, oh, do you want these tickets? And it was actually Billie Eilish. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like a few years ago, and they're like, if you want to go see a show at Radio City tonight, we've got tickets. So I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah pretty good show it too. was great yeah, production yeah. and stuff too yeah. it's just like so many tears yeah yeah so it was really fun i've never i've i've been in new york so many times that every time i'm there it's like there's just like it just happens to not be something on that yeah you know that <laughs> those couple nights yeah so i've never been myself but i've heard it's like one of the most awe-taking mm. places yeah it'd be really cool um so you mentioned already so you used to busk in in melbourne this is how you started Mm. your music career you used to busk in the streets of melbourne Mm. and then up and down the east coast um living out of a van so Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about 
what that experience was like for you and and do you have kind of fond fun memories of it or did was it kind of really grueling mm. no I think it was maybe definitely the best time of my life and I worked so hard to become a busker it was like a, actually hard to get your permit in Melbourne you had to do interviews and auditions for this certain place but mm-hmm. this place had the best foot tra- traffic but it was known to have like iconic buskers Tash Sultana the Pierce okay. Yeah. so um I just wanted to be a busker and then I found out that Byron Bay was the place to be you could live in your van and and the hostel gave me free accommodation if I just played there every Thursday night for two hours so I I had showers for free and all my friends lived there full time like people lived at this hostel full time and it was like the best time of my life honestly people always make out like I just hustled I the the one this is like the part of my life I never knew was ha- gonna happen. Right. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be here on the street, 50 years old, <laughs> busking, living in my van. Oh, I'm gonna be here. So it's more like I'd already achieved my goal. Right. That's what I wanted. I was making enough money to put petrol in my car, buy groceries. Like I was just really happy. And so I guess like now to everyone else, it looks like that was a stepping stone. But really, like that this is your... something I didn't even plan for. Right. Wow. Incredible. Tell me. Describe your van to me a little bit. Is it was mm. it like old? Old, yeah. I had like all the curtains were broken. I had to like shove like sheets in to like like mask the sun. Um, it. Where did and, you get it? Um, I got it in two thousand and eighteen, and I um, the engine broke down fully. It's like. <laughs> 45 years old oh wow you see these people now with living the quote unquote van life yeah. and they've got these like vans that are like more souped up than yeah. people's houses yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah it's like it's yeah. like a tour bus I mean, yeah, TVs, that's it. I've, movies. I've, I have a friend that I met while traveling who literally sold his vacation home bought a Mercedes Sprinter and it's yeah. so nice. He has a patio on the roof of his van. Cool. And he calls it the Van Randa. Like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, last question before we have to wrap. Because yeah. um, I've seen how cool the stage looks tonight. Yeah. So you literally brought the Madhouse on stage with you. Mm. So tell me a little bit how you got the, the process of getting the music into a visual. And mm. what that was like getting the tour together. Yeah, well, I mean, I wanted to create a madhouse, which is a representation of kind of, like, my mind in the last three years of my life, going from, like, being a busker full-time to being slingshotted around the world and meeting all these crazy people and playing all these crazy places and shows and Alan, Jimmy Fallon, Seven Billboards on Times Square, and then going into complete lockdown, but then also living with nine of my best friends and four dogs and having one of my best friends pass away to now being able to play music again is just... And I had to write an album in that time. Like, of course it's a madhouse. Yeah. And and I just thought, well, it was going to be, like, my head and then, like, up the top of my head be, like, a house. I'm like, this is so confusing. Let's just make a madhouse. There are seven hidden hints in the album cover. Ah. Um... And um, I just wanted it to be uh, just this weird house that has, like, all erratic stuff from the past and um, and just, like, that's why the, the album's a bit erratic. Um, like, some of the songs are a bit weird. Like, Bars at the End is literally just for my best friend T that passed away. I used to write him a stupid rap song for his birthday every year and uh. it would just be for him. And, unfortunately, he passed away that year, so... You know, it's just for me. I'm not trying to do anything 
with it. Um, but, you know, I just thought because the album, there were so many nods to him in it, I wanted it to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of erratic. So, yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful personal touch. Thanks. And then did you design the Madhouse or did you work with the team to... Yeah, well, the artwork for the album was kind of the, what we based it off. Right. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I worked with um, one of my good friends, Gigi, on kind of designing the, the Madhouse. She's actually the fat boy at the front, the twins at the front door of the Madhouse. Do you have your lanyards with you? Oh, no, I don't. That's no, okay. Um, and she photoshopped herself as the extra characters oh, on the front amazing. cover of the album. Uh, <laughs> She's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, Tones, thank you so much for, for, for joining us, taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this. It's okay, I'm chilling. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope you have a great show tonight. The Adamantium. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.